we're back again, uh, surprising no one, because uh, <laughs> we do this weekly. Uh, it's episode <laughs> 103 of the SoCo Show. This, of course, is the co-host Cody Michael, and I'm joined as always by the SoHo's Seth Ott. No, it's not. Oh no, we don't have Seth. Who do we have? Mm, Jerry. <laughs> All right, Jerry. Uh, <laughs> well, it's a good thing we don't have to listen to that twat Seth this week. Um, just want to listen to you have your very comfortable and not at all throat hurting voice for the next two hours. Uh, very oh, excited yeah. to have you on, Jer Bear. Thanks, man. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot of good shit to talk about today. A uh, lot of movie news. It's going to be a big movie podcast. Um, when isn't it? When isn't it? That's a good point. Um, we got a lot of stuff we're going to get into. We're going to do a TV corner this week. We ex- you expected it last week, but it took us uh, a little bit extra time. Seth is going to be reviewing Stranger Things Season 3 in the TV corner this week, so look forward to that. Uh, we've got a couple movie reviews. Uh, I have watched a film from Seth's We Missed the Boat list, and uh, a lot of headlines in the movies this week, so we'll talk through all of that stuff. That and more uh, on yet another exciting edition of the SoCo show. But before we get into all the fun, uh, we got to talk about something not so fun, Seth. Uh, a friend of the show was lost this week. It's true. A uh, friend of the show in that we created a segment about uh, how how all of his roles were similar, or a lot of his roles are similar to that of uh, porn stars in the name. Not Maybe not in the actual role itself. I don't know if uh, Rip Torn has ever deep dicking on set, but... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Rip Torn, R.I.P. Rip. I'm sure that was done a lot this week. Oh, God, yeah. Really, really to me, he's forever and always going to be Patches O'Houlihan, mm-hmm. who was crushed by two tons of irony in the casino. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I I know that he wasn't the best guy. I'm pretty sure he said some racist things and also was just kind of a dick on set sometimes. So, you know, uh, he had a great body of work, we'll say. Um, it's, uh, uh, should we take a moment of silence for, for Rip Torn? No, not a moment of silence. Let's play a game instead. For a whole year, I concentrated equally on two things, fucking and... Cock-flavored lollipop. Oh, yeah, sex. God, I didn't miss that. Uh, <laughs> for those who may be newer to the show, uh, we're about to play a game called Rip Torn or Dirty Porn. Uh, Seth has scoured the filmography of one of our favorite actors, Rip Torn, and pulled either a character name from those films or the name of a male porn star. Uh, It is my job to guess uh, which of the two Seth is reading to me. So, Seth, what is the, I'm sure, delightfully named subject of this week's edition? Now... Um, I very well may have used this in the past, so because it's been a long time since we played it. So, because there's only so many uh, porn names and or uh, titles for Rip Torn. Rip, I mean, there's 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 a lot of both, of course. Um, both <laughs> there's been many porn actors and many roles for Rip Torn, but um, this name is Buzz Beckerman. Ooh, Buzz Beckerman. That's a good one. That's just vague enough. Uh, I am going to go with Rip Torn. Yeah, I had to go with Rip Torn in this one. Uh, just just because yeah. it's, you know, it, it's in memoriam. And I think it's actually just before that. Uh, it's from a movie called 
that was released in 1985, uh, just called, perfectly titled, actually, Beer. <laughs> beer the movie. I like it. <laughs> yeah, no, just beer. It's not even the movie, just beer. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to go with that one. There were a few others I thought about, but beer was the perfect title. Um, but I think since Rip Torn has passed, I think we need to retire the segment forever. And so to Rip Torn, I say, Bye-bye. <laughs> there you go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Rip Torn. And thank you, for the, <laughs> thank you for the hilariously immature segment that we enjoyed for so long. Uh, we're going to retire your, your, your sounder as well. Rip Torn, uh, gone but not forgotten. Uh, certainly not by the co and so host. Uh, here on this show. For a whole year, I concentrated equally on two things, fucking and... Cock-flavored lollipop. Oh, yeah, sex. All right. Let's, uh... <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh... All right. Let's jump forward, and uh, before we get into the show, we gotta start like we always do, with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. Well, um... In, in in all honesty here, we had to change up our recording schedule just a little bit. So today is actually Monday. And Iron Sheik has some thoughts about Monday. He has some hashtag Monday thoughts. Oh, here we go. So here we go. Monday, you are the jabroni. Especially the jabroni, Jar Jar Binks. You and the Monday, I put you in the camel clutch. I stick your eyes in your ass where you watch all new Star Wars films born. <laughs> what? Is that... <laughs> I'm gonna need that one one more time, buddy. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> yeah, I I I gotta. I'm not gonna lie. I just when I saw this, this this is a week ago Monday that he tweeted this. I just saw how long it was and screenshotted it and saw. <laughs> I saw it wasn't about Rob Thomas or like some random sports things. So I'm like, this is probably gonna be good. Um, and I saw Jar Jar Binks in it. I didn't finish the sentence, so I'll reread it. Um, Monday, you are the jabroni, especially the jabroni Jar Jar Binks. You and the Monday I put in the camel clutch. I stick your eyes in your ass where you watch all new Star Wars films born. Hashtag Monday thoughts. Lots to unpack there. Uh, wow. So the Sheik doesn't like Mondays. That was made very clear. Uh, he also doesn't like Jar Jar Binks or any new Star Wars <laughs> movies born. Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, I got to disagree with you here a bit, Sheiky baby. I think there's some good Star Wars shit coming out, but I don't know. <laughs> the thought of... Because he does have eye stocks, so, like, <laughs> you could put his eyes in his ass. <laughs> It'd be hard, but it's very doable. I mean, if there's one thing that Sheik's good at, it's putting eyes in asses, so... <laughs> There you go. Uh, better better Monday words I have not heard in, in a, quite some time. So uh, that's the chic on Mondays and Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> I call you a punk. Let's shout out our sponsors. First of all, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description box. You're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. Uh, I don't know if this is still going to be going on because when this podcast releases, I think Prime Day will be over. But I also think that uh, for Prime Day, there are some discounts for Audible. So uh, if you're interested in Audible, either go to our link or uh, check out a Prime Day deal um, and you can uh, 
you can check that out too. I think it might be like two thirds off for some amount of time. Uh, you oh, pulling nice. the, you pulling the trigger on any sweet deals for Prime Day? No, I'm not. I did I did not do any Prime Day things. Um, I did though recently. I was invited back to Audible because it's been a while since I had it. Uh, I was invited back for a free audiobook if I returned, which I of course took took up on, and will be subsequently canceling now that I finished the book. But I did get, recently get uh, the new Orf- the newest Orphan X book in the series, uh, Out of the Dark, and uh, it was very good. I enjoyed it a lot, and I'm uh, I. I wish I would have listened to it sooner, but it was excellent. And uh, another worthy installment in the Orphan X saga. There's three more coming. Uh, the author, uh, Greg Hurwitz, recently signed a three-book deal worth uh, seven figures for <laughs> for more of those books. So very excited about that. And the TV show is, is in the works as well. So all very exciting stuff in the world of Orphan X. There you go. Seth, of course, a big fan of Orphan X. If you want to check it out for yourself, uh, you can do so for free. By hitting the link, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Our next sponsor is Mathis Designs, our good friend Steph Mathis. You can find her at etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Cha-ching! Booyah. And, of course, Mike's Wood. Uh, Happy belated birthday, Mike. Uh, We wished him a happy birthday on our Facebook page last week. Uh, Find him and his wood at etsy.com slash shop. (laughs) Slash corn fed and wed to get your wood worked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Those are the sponsors, and we thank all of them. Please uh, patronize, patronize? Patronize them. Yeah, that's it. Uh, Patreon. Patreon them. Yeah. Put pastries on them. That's it. Um, <laughs> do all that stuff. Click the links in the description box. Go buy their stuff. Uh, go subscribe to Audible. All of those good things uh, help us out, so... Uh, do it all right uh in exchange for the uh the patronage that you will send our sponsors way uh we're here to review some shit and the first shit we're going to review is in the tv corner television down on the corner nobody puts baby in the corner seth we uh. spoiled, i spoiled it at the top I spoiled it at the top, but of course, Netflix has released season three of Stranger Things. A lot of folks are watching it. I think it's like the highest fucking watched thing ever. Um, of course, everything on Netflix seems to be, but uh, uh, I have not finished this. I'm about halfway through, but uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have finished it. Very bingeable series, of course. Uh, so let us know what your thoughts were on season three. And uh, for those, because I know a lot of people finished it uh, prior, even, you know, even. It'll be probably a week, week and a half, even longer. Some people finished it within the weekend after the 4th uh, since this was released. But I did finish uh, the the day after we recorded last week, so I wasn't able to... We would have had this review a little bit sooner, but I wasn't quite able to get it finished. But I'm glad I, I did take a little bit of a time with it, because I think it helped my uh, overall enjoyment and connection with this one, because I did enjoy this one a lot. But Season 3 of Stranger Things felt like this one kind of went back to basics a little bit, uh, compared to season two, it felt like season two kind of went out there a little bit, expanded some of the lore, and introduced a, a lot of new stuff into it. And this one kind of just felt a little more grounded and felt uh, within the whole. It was all within Hawkins, which was nice, and it and it felt all just kind of w- within the structure they built from season one, really. Uh, so this one takes place almost within. It's I know it's like within the span of a week. Um, but most of it takes place on the 4th of July uh, after about like episode 
three or four on. Um, so a little bit over half of it, which is really nice. I love that with TV shows and movies where it takes place over the course of a day. Um, I think that's really fun because it feels like you're living in that with them. It's you know drawn out like that, but still a lot of stuff happens. So that was cool. I, I personally enjoyed that. Uh, a lot of this takes place. There's a new mall, the Starcourt, Starcourt Mall. Uh, a lot of stuff's moving in there. That's kind of like the hub of the town. They show that Hawkins is now kind of uh, centered around that. A lot of the stores and, and things like that are kind of closing down uh, to go towards the mall. And there's there's a reason that the mall uh, is very important at the season, which you find out. A lot of spoilers in the season, so I don't want to go into too much of it because I, I think a lot of the, the, the best parts of this show are are kind of unfolding it all like a book. or uh, Because a lot of the Stranger Things, and I'm hearing interviews with the Duffer brothers, they... They prefer this. The reason they don't call it season one, season two, season three is they they are more fans of movies and and want to look at these like big movies and and I like that because it does feel like that. These all feel, um, you know, kind of you know contained within that that type of thing. So it's really cool that way. Uh, all, all of the you know main characters are back. They they bring back Max and Billy from last season as well. Really, I was not quite sold in either of them last season, but I think this season they are perfectly used. I felt like they fit right into the whole dynamic. Now that they've really had some time, I, I thought that this that both those characters worked in their own separate ways. Max is now really fully a part of, of that group, um, now uh, dating Lucas from last season and, and stuff like that. So it was fun fun to have her mixed in. She brings a little bit different of a dynamic to it. Um, this season, so... Again, not going into too many spoilers. Obviously, there's some sort of threat from the upside down. I won't necessarily say what it is, but it, it it's a it's a much, it's a it's a really big threat that you know they, they they up the scale on this one in terms of that in terms of that aspect of it. They don't spend as much time inside of the upside down, but they do uh, bring that threat into the world, and it, and it's it's they do it in a really cool way that I, that I liked. Um, they kind of split up to a lot of this cast. They really had like three separate storylines going on this season. Um, again, I won't say really who it was, but I thought they did a really good job in this season of splitting up those those storylines, giving them giving them all equal time, and making them all feel important. Then also bringing them back around in in the end and connecting them all and and not none of them felt too far astray from what the overall goal of the show was. They all kind of did different things, but at the same time working towards the same thing, um, maybe not even necessarily knowing it for a lot of them. And I thought that that was done perfectly. I loved it. And the, and the way they split up the groups, I thought was was perfect too. It almost felt like Avengers in, in a way hmm. where, you know, each, each had their own separate thing going on. Um, and this is, again, kind of when you get towards uh, the middle of the season. But they all had their separate things going on. But it all worked really, really well. And I, and I enjoyed the dynamic each of them had. So that was fun. Um, I know a lot of people have. And, and I think they even did it in season two. They split up a lot of the, 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 the people. But I didn't think they did it as effectively in season three because they were able to build off some relationships that have kind of been established a little bit and then also introduced introduce new dynamics in it too that just all melted, made it feel like within that world. I also love too, for me, I love a good like summer show or movie, like stuff that takes place in you know in the dead of summer like that. And it, it totally had that feel because the other Stranger Things were more of like the October, the Halloween feel to it. I thought the way they integrated the, the summer feel was was amazing. I, I it just felt it felt like a you know a day of summer. It felt just like that fun vibe, but also adding in the scary and and you know d- 
demonic or you know monster type elements that were fun. Um, I don't know. I, I really I loved the season a lot. It, it was it's my the more I think about it, it's it's right up there. I think in terms of quality with with season one, but I think I prefer season three just as a fan of the Ooh. show. Uh, I I really really loved it. I think the only thing that I did not like about this season is Will. I'm not a fan of that actor. I don't think he's very good. I I, I think that he a lot of his like the the scenes he had this season when he was when he actually had dialogue because a lot of the season he was just looking scared into a camera and holding the back of his neck that's what he did almost all all of this season and i think that's good because when he was actually talking and had dialogue i could not i i didn't believe him for one second i was like this kid needs some lessons <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> but he does because he it was just like very like oh yeah i'm so scared like that type of thing <laughs> i i don't i don't know i he was bugging the hell out of me and then yeah like when when he actually was a focus of the screen he just was he had like a scared look on his face his lip was quivering a little bit he had goosebumps on the back of his neck and he was holding his neck and he was like oh oh no like that <laughs> like that i don't know he he bugged me a lot but <laughs> Overall, uh, everyone else is great. Millie Bobby Brown as as uh, Eleven, amazing. She does some. Of, she, she 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 is so good, and they they continue to like add little layers to her and make her feel uh, like she's learning uh, <laughs> learning more about herself in this world and relationships and things like that. I think she does an amazing job as this character. Finn Wolfhard is great as well. Um, as as Mike and their relationship is is such a focus of the season. It's a it's a big focus, but not too much. Uh, where it like overpowers everything else. Maybe a little annoying at first, but I think for me it built on, and I I love that feeling again of summer where they kind of had that summer thing going, and, and you know it's like intense, but at the same time it's like not 100 percent stable and all that stuff too. I don't know. I loved it. The the season was amazing. Um. I, I get, I'm going with on this one 4.9 bloody noses out of five. Ooh, that is that's as high as we've as we've gotten. Except I think there was one. There, wasn't there one show you gave a five to? Yeah, Mrs. Maisel. Ah, of course, yeah. So 4.9 is effectively as high as it gets. Uh, Stranger Things three. I I uh, I am I think halfway through this, um, and I can speak to the summer aspect because and and this is always like what Stranger Things does really well is I feel like they lead off by setting the tone and they spend a good amount of time setting the tone and setting up the relationships mm-hmm. and setting up the, this like, where is everybody and what is everybody doing? And then they, they find a way to kind of separate everyone out into their groups and they really give a lot of time to the exposition and to just the tone setting. And I've been through a lot of that stuff and they've done it super, super well, like summer vacation, the hanging out at the mall, uh, it's all a blast. It's really cool. The kids, um, there's an aspect here of them kind of starting to grow up in different ways mm-hmm. that I'm really yep. enjoying. And yep. uh, and it's really just fun. Like, I, I haven't gotten to where, and I know it will happen probably soon for me, uh, shit starts hitting the fan. Um, the shit is approaching the fan, I think, in the the pot spot of the season that I am in, uh, but has yet to hit. And, um, and I'm excited for kind of the second half. But that first part, I think, is what makes Stranger Things really special to a lot of folks. And that's that sort of makes you feel like a kid again. You know, oh, remember back when the whole nostalgia element. Uh, they, mm-hmm. they, they, continue to, they continue to be great at that. And I think that's one of the things that set the show apart. I would echo um, 
the acting in this has stayed really good. Uh, I was, mm-hmm. I'm curious. So like, and, and you're, you're, you have praise for Millie Bobby Brown and I think it's well-deserved. Uh, but like you, uh, saw Godzilla King of Monsters and mm-hmm. so did I, and I thought she sucked in that. And <laughs> I was like, I wonder, cause th- that's the only two things I've seen her in were Stranger Things and that. And I was like, mm-hmm. uh Oh, does she suck? And, uh, I think, no, she does not. I think Godzilla sucks. And, yeah. uh, and she, she does just fine. Cause you're right. They're adding, they're adding some layers to her character that are really interesting because in the earlier seasons, she's very wooden and inhuman and she spent some time around them all now. So she's starting to kind of learn some stuff and she's speaking a little better and it's cool. I, I am really appreciative of what she's doing and, and mm-hmm. everyone else is, is doing really well in support. So, uh, I'm enjoying it, man. I am. I, I, I'm going through it pretty slowly. Um, but, uh, but I would echo pretty much everything you said. It is very, very well done, as always. These Duffer guys, uh, they know what they're doing. Um, uh, I will add, too, real quick. Um, they added, like, two, I think, one character, Lucas's sister. Um, she was in, like, season one, I think, very briefly. But she's uh, featured heavily in season two, uh, or season three. And she's great. Uh, she's like a she's like a, a sassy sassy little girl who's just like she's like she's like uh, she's way more grown up than what she should be <laughs> for her age. And she's she she's a lot of really funny one liners. And then they added in um, a coworker at Scoops Ahoy where where Steve works, and her name's Robin. Um, she's great as well. Her uh, she has a whole thing with with Steve this season. They're they're kind of running around together, and. Their dynamic is great. There's they have this one scene uh, in like the second to last episode, I think. Uh, it's excellent. Uh, that that kind of deals with some some a little bit heavier stuff, um, about as heavy as Stranger Things probably goes in terms of like the uh, subject matter, I guess. This season though, the finale is fucking rough. Mm. Uh, it is crushing. Um, I because I saw actually speaking. We 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 just you you just uh, mentioned Steph in the ads at the beginning. Uh, she I think she had put on her Snapchat story like Stranger Things got me in the feels or something like that. And I'm like, really? Like I've always been. I, I was a fan of Stranger Things, but not like extreme fan of it. And so I've never really been connected to the characters. I've, I like the world and the story and stuff. This season though, totally got me connected to the characters and again i think it's because of that summer stuff and the just feeling like an entire day like i felt like i spent a day with these kids you know and at a and that age too like they're not kids anymore they're they're starting to become teenagers and and that like i connect with that way more than i connect with like the eight-year-olds type thing you know mm-hmm. and so i i was just super bought into the whole thing like these characters feel even though you know one of them can throw shit with their mind i feel really connected with with these with these kids now and so by the time we got to the finale and, you know, I, I knew it was going down and I didn't I didn't know exactly what happened, but I kind of had a had a hunch and I didn't know exactly with what who would happen to and all that stuff. But um, by the time we got to that point and the, what happened happened, I I definitely like I I, lost, I I shed some tears on that, too. I was like, oh, okay, they got they him. got me. Ooh. They got me. I, that, and that's why I think I was fully bought into the season because now I feel like I actually we spent enough time with them in this season, especially with just that whole day in the life of this crazy ass town with these kids who, you know, are our best friends and have gone through some real crazy shit together. Like I feel like I actually feel for these kids now. And I and, I, and so when the stuff actually goes down, I'm like, OK, you got me. <laughs> you <laughs> totally got me. And they're going for it. And uh, because I know like uh, I, I 
my my roommate Matt and his girlfriend were watching, and I was I knew where they were at, so I kind of I actually watched a chunk of the season twice through because of that. But I didn't watch the finale with them, and I came back in when when the stuff happened, and uh, uh, my Matt's girlfriend was was definitely uh, uh, emotionally uh, struck by this season, we'll say, <laughs> so by the finale. So it's not just me who got. I mean, they they did a really good job of doing that in the season. So uh, shout out to the Duffer Brothers for uh, making me feel some stuff. Well, this is the beauty of. Uh... I think it's fair to call this a limited series. It's it's the it's I think the beauty of that you can take like cinematic filmmaking styles and the storytelling way and like you said they 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 do it like you would a movie but they extend it out so far that you get a chance to really get deep in with the characters and and buy into them. Um, you know a lot of a lot of the movies I think Stranger Things is like a, a cool intersection between your taste and mine where. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm all about like wide level plot and and storytelling and you you want character connections and Stranger Things is the rare thing that does both and does both super super well and mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that might be why a lot of people are loving it because you get a high budget movie that's 10 hours long and uh, not a lot or not often does that happen unless you have HBO um, <laughs> but uh, Stranger <laughs> Things 3 is is certainly living up to all the hype uh, everybody and their brother is watching it, and probably you have too. Maybe if I finish this, maybe we could do like a maybe we should do a spoiler uh, spoiler chat about it. That'd Ooh, be kind of fun. That'd be fun. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to discuss. At oh the god, end yeah. Of the season. So. <laughs> Even just where I am, there's a bunch of spoiler stuff that that I wouldn't want to mention. But uh, uh, maybe we'll do that. Uh, I'll try to get through it, and maybe we can do that on a future episode because I know most of our listeners are ahead of me and probably have finished it. So. Um, well, mm-hmm. maybe we'll come back to Stranger Things, but uh, for now, it gets four point nine bloody noses out of five. This week in the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. All right, enough of TV. Uh, we're going to move on to the movie side of things, and we're going to start by making the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote. It was a tough one last week, uh, but we eventually got there. So uh, let's see what you got for us this week. Seth has a quote from a film. I need to find the film and the character slash actor who said it. What do you got for us? This one will probably be even tougher, <laughs> I oh, think. Good, 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 good. <laughs> so this quote is, I hate this place. I hate penis-eating minnows, and I hate freaky fruit. I want to go home. <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course. Um, okay. Um, uh, last week we had Sean William Scott and Role Models. So mm-hmm. this is a Sean William Scott movie. Okay, let's go on to Penis Eating Minnows. Um. <laughs> That's the name of the title. That's the title of this week's episode. <laughs> Okay, uh, Sean William Scott's getting his dick ate. Um, <laughs> penis eating yeah, well, minnows no, and what? Isn't. Freaky fruit? Yeah, it's not Sean William Scott getting his penis eat either because he's not. I don't ever repeat the person. So okay, so someone, someone. He's just he's just ahead. in the movie. Okay. It's uh, the quote is: "I hate this place. I hate penis eating minnows, and I hate freaky fruit. I want to go home." 
Okay, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh, I I just pulled up his filmography because I could not think of another Sean William Scott movie. Um, I'm gonna I think I have it. Is this in the rundown? It is. <laughs> is it The Rock? It is. Okay, I uh, that was a difficult one. I did I did see the rundown, um, but it's yeah. probably been 15 years. Um, it's probably the best Rock movie. You think so? I think so. Well, you're being serious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Uh, I guess, I mean, probably. There's not a lot of good ones. I like the G.I. Joe yeah. movie that he's in. But um, Do you? Did you see, um, did you see, I think it's called Snitch? I did not see Snitch, no. That one's pretty good. Um, he's like a He's like a regular dad, and his kid gets involved in some drug stuff, so he's got to lay, lay the law down. Um, so that's pretty fun. He's like a, a, you know, an every guy, uh, kind of similar to walking mm-hmm. tall, but a little different. Um, snitch was good. Yeah. Not a lot of good rock movies. Um, it was kind of all downhill after the scorpion, uh, uh, the mummy too. the mummy. Returns. That was his first one. Yeah. Everything after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, what was good. You know, what would probably be my favorite one of his gridiron gang. I actually really like that movie. Do you? Yeah. Have you seen it? I have not. Ooh, it's dope. Maybe I'll put it on your list. Um, okay. Well, that took a bit, but, uh, oh, there's also Doom. Do you remember? <laughs> They're making a sequel to that, apparently. No way. Fucking dope. Not with The Rock, but. Well, it's probably for the best. Um, do you remember his na- character name from The Rundown? Fuck no. Or is it like Dick Strongman or something? <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Thing. It is uh, Beck. Ah, okay. Beck. Yeah, he doesn't use guns until the end. Pretty sweet. That's a that's a Peter Berg movie. Um, Peter Berg, of course, would go on to do every movie Mark Wahlberg has ever been in. <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, Peter Berg is what the Titanic ran into before it sank. Oh, jeez. <laughs> there we go. There's a Peter Berg. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we got the rock. Getting his dick ate by some minnows in the rundown. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this week's edition of Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! (laughs) My name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right, uh, let's go on here. I'm staring down the barrel of a, a, a long and eclectic list of movie headlines, so let's jump into them. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. All right. So this is something we touched on a while back. Chris Rock is rebooting Saw. No, it is not called Saint, (laughs) even though that's the funniest joke I've heard this year. Um, (laughs) We got news this week that Samuel L. Jackson has been added to the cast of Saw. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure what I read is that he is going to be playing the father of Chris Rock's character. And what? Yeah. And uh, how, wait, they're not the. I mean, well, I, how old's Chris Rock? Like fifty? Uh, Chris Rock's probably pushing fifty, forty-five, fifty. And Sam Jackson's seventy. Um, let's find out. Okay, Chris Rock's fifty-four. Okay. Sam Jackson age. 
Yeah, he's 70. Yeah. Schmodown. Damn, that's old, dog. Yeah. I guess that kind of, I mean, he would have had to have been, you know, young when he, you know. But Chris, I mean, both look younger than they are, so. Yeah, exactly. And there are, like, there's, um, oh, I can't remember what movie it was. Uh, that just seems so weird. There's a movie that gets referenced a lot on another podcast I listen to where um, the woman playing the mom is younger than the one playing the daughter in the same movie. I think they like aged her up with makeup and stuff. So like that happens, but like, mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a hilarious dynamic between those two guys. Uh, I'm excited to see what it is, but don't forget uh, it's in saw. So like, I think the, the thing that makes me the most excited about this is Sam Jackson reacting to shit is one of my favorite things to see on screen. So like mm-hmm. Sam Jackson reacting to his leg being put in a bear trap sounds pretty fucking funny to me. So mm-hmm. I am into this. Uh, Saw fell off in a big way in the later stages. So a reboot, I think, is warranted. Um, And uh, if it's going to be a black-led Saw, I think it could be very different. I'll be interested to see how much they stare into the comedy, though. Uh, That's going to be interesting for me to see. Are you... Where is your fandom of Saw? Are you automatically here? Does the casting get you there? Like, where are you on this film? Well, I gotta say that the jokes better be good, otherwise there'll be a bunch of hacksaws. Boom! You're not gonna be able to hear it, but that was a reluctant sounder. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that's my time tonight. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll see y'all next week. Yeah. Please see yourself out. Uh, and in traffic. <laughs> All right. Well, we got Saw coming out. Uh, more updates, I'm sure, to come. This this could go one of about a thousand ways, and I'm really interested to see uh, what it's going to be like. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'll, I'll definitely check it out. I mean, we've seen every Saw, seen, seen Saw. We've seen Tamal. Uh, <laughs> we've seen Tamal. So, you know, I it, it's, it's weird because this is like the first one with, you know, like actual actors in it. So this <laughs> uh, this will be different. Yeah, that's true. And they may actually get a decent budget this time, too. So it's going to be yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah, this is yeah, this first one with like, I mean, to- was it Tobin Bell played Jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was good. But the rest of the cast, is just, I mean, the rest of the cast were just filled with like, because the budgets were so low, I don't think they really hired anyone of, of note. So you know they the just crazy, kind of. You know what the crazy thing was, though? Um, Danny Glover was in there and um, Carrie, oh. Carrie Elwes, um, who features in Stranger okay. Things. Um, that's true he was in it too but like they were really slumming it at that time yeah so they weren't it's not like they were impressive in it yeah so you know it, it's it's different I mean, yeah they'll probably have a have a budget and, and all that stuff and i mean they're they're gonna have a whole new uh view on this on the on the franchise so i'm excited i think it'll be i think it I think it'll be at least interesting to watch i hope sam jackson is the jigsaw killer and when he when they start the tapes Instead of going, hello, Amanda, it goes, hey, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That would be good. um, That's a movie I want to see. And then they can update the the Sawscape room we went through uh, with with Sam Jackson as Jigsaw. (laughs) Oh, yeah. That'd be fucking entertaining. So just a real quick tangent here. Uh, So Sam Jackson reminded me of Snakes on a Plane, uh, which there's probably going to be some snake traps i bet now just because of that and saw so get ready to freak out oh good but but 
Uh, I know you don't listen to the Big Brother recaps, but this last week on Big Brother, they had a snake challenge. Fuck that. Where they had like they had fake snakes in a like a glass thing, and they had to mash up real snakes. They had to go into like tubs of real snakes and find the snake that matched. You shut your fucking and mouth. put it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> And I even said in, in the recap that uh, you would have probably died or killed yourself. I would have quit. I would have jumped the fucking fence and walked into Los Angeles. <laughs> so, yeah, the whole time I was watching that challenge, I'm like, the only thing that could make this more of a nightmare would be if they added spiders in it. Oh, yeah. um, but but even but even so, I was like, there's not a chance in hell that Cody would ever do this challenge, which it was it's, it was fine. It was just like for an extra power. So it wouldn't have mattered. You could have just been like, ah, nope, done. I'm not doing this one. Yep. I had to quit for sure. And I probably wouldn't be able to sleep in that house or go in that backyard ever again. It's pretty easy to lose a snake. <laughs> Jesus. That's so stupid. Why would they ever do that? Because it was funny. I don't think it's funny at all. <laughs> oh. I got the heebs. All right. Let's go on. You're, you're welcome. Okay. So uh, another wacky addition to an existing franchise. Uh, Seth, did you see? You saw The Big Lebowski, right? Um, I don't think I've watched it in its entirety. I, I mean, I know about all about it and I've seen, you know, obviously clips and stuff, but I don't think I've watched it, sat down and watched it all. Oh, shit. Okay, we got to get that on your list. Uh, a spinoff is happening from The Big Lebowski. Jesus Rolls uh, is the story, I guess, some sort of continuation of the story of uh, this character, Jesus, uh, obviously, in, uh, in The Big Lebowski. Uh, it is being... Written and directed by John Turturro, who plays the titular Jesus. And uh, Jesus Quintana is his name. He's a bowler and a, a, a cocky cock. And uh, and it's being released next year. So uh, it doesn't look like the Coen brothers are involved, uh, maybe potentially as, a, um, as producers, I guess. But I, I don't see that here. Um, but... Uh, yeah, it's going to be, this says, uh, the mo- movie will follow a trio of sexually depraved misfits, played by John Turturro, Bobby Cannavale, and Audrey Tattoo. Uh, Audrey Tattoo is uh, famous for uh, Amelie, which is a very popular French movie that you may have heard of. Uh, I've not seen her in anything American, so that would be kind of interesting. But uh, Jesus Rolls, a lot of folks I'm sure will be uh, excited about this one. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a middling fan of The Big Lebowski but um, I think I heard a fart noise. This doesn't. This isn't perking your ears up quite yet. Oh, I did not have a fart noise. I just moved my mic. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I I don't have a feeling either either way of this one. Uh, cast sounds fun. I love Bobby Cannavale. He's he's really good. Um, yeah, you got yeah, uh, uh, Pete Davidson, John Hamm, Susan Sarandon, also uh, as well as JB Smoove. So quite a quite a good comedic cast, uh, kind of filling out. JB Smoove. <laughs> <laughs> I love that fucking guy. <laughs> So we'll be keeping an eye out for uh, Jesus Rolls. Um, and uh, that's one of those movies where I'm like, really? And then I think, yeah, that could work. So <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. G- Jesus Rolls sounds like uh, it's like someone's signature dish at Thanksgiving every year. <laughs> Y'all want some Jesus Rolls? <laughs> <laughs> what are Jesus Rolls? Uh, cinnamon, frosting, turkey. <laughs> Mashed potatoes. <laughs> that actually sounds good. I'd eat some Jesus rolls. <laughs> All right, enough about Jesus rolls. Uh, what's next here? 
Ah, okay. So uh, Seth and I have been fans for a long time of Aziz Ansari. And uh, f- folks who have been listening for a while know we, we just recently saw him as part of his comeback tour um, in Las Vegas a few months back. Uh, of course, after uh, a pretty big uh, kind of scandal broke out last summer featuring some uh, sexual misconduct, so to speak, uh, from Aziz, he is finally making his return to the spotlight. Uh, his special right now is on Netflix. And um, you and I, Seth, have both seen right it. Right now. Uh, yeah, it is on right now. You can watch it. And uh, I guess I, ju- I just wanted to, to recommend this to folks. Um, it is obviously pretty funny, but you're seeing a lot more mature Aziz than you have. And it's been kind of fun to be a fan of his for the last 10 years because he has uh, he has changed and grown a lot, and his comedy has as well. He references that as part of the special. Um, he really addresses the um, you know the events of last summer kind of head on. And in a way that I think is is honest and uh, impactful, and uh, he's got a lot of really funny stuff to say and a lot of really emotional stuff to say, and I think you're seeing that in comedy a lot more recently. Um, but uh, I thought it was really well done. It, it was directed by Spike Jones, and mm-hmm. they did put a little bit of a creative stamp on it with the way they shot it. They get some close up of him a lot, and then they make some jokes about the cameraman having to be right there. Um, I really enjoyed the special. It's it's one of the, my favorites that I've seen probably this year. Uh, and I just thought it was all around just really well done. It's, it's probably not the funniest special I've seen all year, but uh, I did really enjoy it. And and you also, mm-hmm. you saw it live with me. Uh, and of course, I know you, you watched it on Netflix as well. What did you think? Yeah, it's it's good. It's, it's definitely more of a... Um, it felt just more, more personal than mm-hmm. a lot of his other ones. He definitely talked a lot... He talked a little bit about what happened with the whole, you know, sexual misconduct thing, and he made made a couple jokes about it, but nothing like, you know, like Louis C.K. came out after all of his stuff, and it just was completely a, he blamed everyone else about it, and and Aziz, you know, he took responsibility for it, and he, you know, again, cracked some jokes and made it had a little bit of a light heart tone to it, but he also, you know, had, uh, had a serious and apologetic feel to it as well. I mean, the whole thing just felt very felt very again personal and, and apologetic in some ways and also just very just like a commentary it felt like he he was just making points he was on twitter just kind of watching everyone and seeing how people act and and kind of making making some ideas about it and he has a fresh perspective on it that compared to i mean he does talk a lot about how uh, white people are when in terms of like social justice and things like that now and that, that's a big that's a big thing in this one and he makes a lot of really good points about it and and but also says you know it's good to see this too but there's also a lot of room for improvement and you know it's not not necessarily like there's not uh a lot, of, a lot of people. The reason people do it is is more for for personal reasons to make themselves feel good. And and you know while that's it's still positive that there's changes being made. There's you know people need to do it to actually make change and not just as a uh, a thing that everyone's doing right now and that type of thing. So a lot of really good points he made. A lot of really funny points. And and then I know it like it ends on a really serious note as well. He makes points about like your parents and growing up and getting older and that thing. And then just at the, again at the end of just like how everyone's kind of like on their phones and living in this whole world of Twitter and online and, and people need to live more in the moment, which like when we went to the show and I know he does this for all of his shows, they make you put a bag, your phone into a bag that you can't get into until the end. And, you know, he does that for pictures obviously, but he also does it because 
he does want that to be a singular experience. He doesn't want it to be everyone's on their phone and taking pictures being like, oh, I'm at Aziz. He wants people to listen to it and, and enjoy it and, you know, feel like that was a moment. And uh, that that's cool. I, I appreciate that. So a lot, a lot of really cool, insightful stuff that he had. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it's a high recommend. Uh, you can check it out. It's, again, Aziz Ansari right now on Netflix. Uh, it's a pretty tight hour uh, and a good watch. Definitely worth your time. Toy- so, uh, it's toy like a toyga. And uh, <laughs> you're going to want to check that one out. So high recommends from uh, for both of us on Aziz Ansari right now. Uh, let's see here. A couple headlines that were in the news this past week. Movie Pass is something we've been talking about for quite some time. Uh, I, I, I did uh, go back to Movie Pass a couple months ago. I got a year's worth of uh, membership and it, I think I might have only gotten about three months worth because MoviePass has, uh, as MoviePass puts it, they have uh, shut down the app so that they can rebuild it and uh, come up with a better customer experience within the app. Uh, as ev- huh. as everyone else has put it, uh, they have quit again. So uh, <laughs> the, the communication to me from MoviePass has been this, uh, we're shutting down the app, it's not gonna work, we're not taking new subscribers. Um, and we are keeping track of the time that this takes, uh, as they put it, it, they said a few weeks, um, and then they will come back out with a new app and then everyone's subscription time will be extended by the amount of time that it was dead. Um, quite frankly, I don't believe it. Uh, I think that, uh, they're probably, they're either just stalling and they'll put the same app back out or, uh, they're going to quit again. Um. I don't know. At this point, I don't really care. I, I got, I've got, i gotten my money's worth already out of the years past that I bought. So uh, I'm kind of fine with it. It is a little frustrating though. you know. It, and we talk about this all the time with these movie subscription services. Just give me the thing you said you were going to give me and that I paid for. That's it. You know, you know, just deliver on your promise and that'd be fine. Um, MoviePass has, has really sucked at doing that. So um I don't know that we're going to see Movie Pass again. We'll see. I'll definitely keep you guys updated. I, I've enjoyed since I came back in April. I've enjoyed my experience. I have not really had any problems, other than this shutdown. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, a a rumor is in the works, and it's getting a lot of traction that Regal Cinemas are about to open up their own version. Basically, it would be like the AMC Stubbs A list, where it's exclusive to Regal Cinemas. Uh, you pay, uh, it's like a 22 or 24 or $18 a month package for truly unlimited movie tickets, uh, as well as, uh, concession, um, discounts. And it's working really well for AMC. They have a shitload of subscribers and they're, they're seeing, um, increases in concession sales and things like that. So I'm hopeful that Regal is going to put this out. The, the rumors are saying that it would get put out by the end of July. Uh, I have a Regal in my town, so I would happily pay for that. So as movie subscriptions go, Seth, I think we're going to get to the point where it is uh, theater specific. Uh, I know you go to a couple theaters, though. Uh, Cinemark is is your main. Uh, if Cinemark comes out with one specific to no. Cinemark, are you or Marcus? You used to live here. It's Marcus. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus yeah. Christ, uh, forgetting your roots. <laughs> if Marcus comes out with one that's specific to Marcus, is it worth you? Is it worth it to you to get to get that one? For a few months, anyway, until I get my pre-show coming up that's true appreciate uh, yeah because uh yeah pre-show i talked about i think a little while back but uh, I've, i'm signed up for this service that uh is free movie tickets which is better than paying monthly prices <laughs> but uh um the only the only catch there is you got to watch 15 to 20 minutes an ad to get a ticket 
uh, of ads taking a ticket, and that's the one where they have technology that tracks your eyes and all that stuff. And um, been getting emails and things that this is now um, starting to roll out in beta, and they're going to send out surveys to start with getting ads ready to go and all that stuff. So. Um, that's starting to come up now, but I think I should have that ready to go by November for me to, to try that out. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if, if for some reason, you know, if that, that were not to work out much like movie pass or whatever, and Marcus were to come out with one, uh, I, or if like AMC here, uh, which is the other theater chain we have, uh, were to bulk up their theaters and make improvements and things like that, then I, w- I would totally go for one of those services. But for now, I'm just going to keep holding out hope on, on movie pass or, uh, on pre-show and uh, going to uh, keep uh, going to like Saturday morning shows where, where tickets are, you know, much cheaper, mm-hmm. <laughs> like five, six bucks. Yeah, for guys. Like- I do go to most. I still go to most movies on Thursday, like the big movies I go on Thursdays. But, you know, like some of these smaller ones, like I went and saw Crawl on Saturday uh, for actually for a dollar because I had some for some promo codes and, 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 and rewards. And that's another nice thing is I go to so many movies and buy a lot of different things at the, the theater. I get a ton of reward stuff. So I still spend a lot of money at the theater, but I also get a lot of rewards at, in the end too. So mm-hmm. it's nice. Yeah. For guys like us who are going to a lot of movies, these subscription services make a ton of sense. Uh, maybe not for the average film goer who goes once or twice a month. Uh, but for guys like us, we're always looking for a way to save a couple bucks on our movie tickets because that is a it gets expensive. <laughs> I, I just recently updated my um, my movie list uh, for films that I've seen during this year, and I am up to, I know you're going to be higher than me, but uh, my 2019 movie list is up to 37 films. So nice. multiply that by, on average, probably $13. Uh, gets pretty gets pretty expensive pretty quick. So uh, anyway, for me to save a couple bucks is going to be pretty sweet. So I'll keep you guys updated, of course, on the Regal uh, subscription service as well as MoviePass. I've kind of got the inside track since I am a subscriber. So um, more to come on on movie tickets and how to get them. Um, but let's go now to a, uh, a, a piece of streaming news that uh, came as kind of a surprise and as a bit of a confusing piece of news. Uh, but we're going to break it down for you here. HBO Max was introduced this week. Uh, it's going to it's gonna start. It's a new streaming service. It's going to start, I think, start, I think, next year in 2020. And <clears throat> I know what you're thinking. You're saying, hey, Co, there's already HBO Go and HBO Now. Those are streaming services. Uh, yes. And apparently those are going to stick around, but I don't know why. Uh, but HBO Now, or sorry, HBO Max, <laughs> the new one, is going to be more similar to like a Netflix. There's going to be original content just for that. And the big thing is that this HBO and Warner Brothers are both on HBO Max. So there's been talk for a while about Warner Brothers coming out with its own streaming service. This is that because the same parent company owns both. So uh, all the WB content is going to be coming out on HBO Max as well. Uh, They've already announced a few pieces of original programming. Uh, there's one really interesting sounding one with Mark Ruffalo, where he's playing uh, two two characters, and one of those characters has schizophrenia. So, uh, pretty tough acting job, I think, for Mark Ruffalo. Um, and then a number of other things. I don't know about like superhero stuff. I, that wasn't made clear to me in the article I read. But uh, Seth, yet another streaming service. Uh, I know you're, you, you've, you've, you've dabbled in HBO with a couple of the series and stuff that have been put on there. Um, uh, I suspect that your response is going to be, well, are you going to buy it? 
<laughs> but are you are you interested in HBO and WB doing their thing here? Uh, if if you do, <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. Um, and and from what I from what I hear and understand, so it also includes Cinemax as well because they are they're all within that same thing. So uh, Cinemax, HBO, and Warner Brothers stuff will all be under that. And from what I understand, it's not going to be much more than HBO is now. I think like a couple dollars more a month, maybe. So, you know, if if you decide to to upgrade, then uh, I'll just keep on using that password. <laughs> you and everybody else. <laughs> Uh, the service will be coming in the spring of 2020. Uh, more details, more details to come, of course. Um, but here's a big piece of news: uh, Day One HBO Max will have the exclusive right to stream Friends. So, mm-hmm. uh, for folks who are so fucking upset about uh, Friends leaving Netflix, there you go. Friends, go get HBO. Also, just so you know, if you're spending eight dollars a month on on fucking Netflix, that's ninety six dollars a year. You could get the fucking Friends box set for that. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Like, just, I, I don't understand the whole internet freaking out about Friends not being on Netflix. Just fucking buy it, dog. Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, actually, it was a little here and there, but I don't want to get into it. Anyway, uh, HBO Max coming next spring. Lots of news to come uh, as it relates to that. So uh, one last piece of movie news and i think we've touched on this in the past but we wanted we wanted to expand the conversation a little bit this week uh there is a mortal Kombat film in the works that uh is set to release relatively soon uh let me get the date on this okay it looks like a march 2021 release so this hasn't even started filming yet um the main care one of the main characters sub-zero has been cast and the actor is joe taslam who is in the Raid movies, uh, or at least the first one. Uh, the Raid is a kind of a pre-John Wick, like gun-fu, gun uh, total just ass-kicking fiesta of a movie, and there's two of them that apparently are amazing. I've not seen them, but I'm hoping to try them sometime. So the, the martial arts and the combat will be, will be well in hand. Um, James Wan is producing, and uh, big news from writer Greg Russo, uh, not of the Russo brothers, um, is that uh, Mortal Kombat will be R-rated for the first time ever, and there will be fatalities featured. So this sounds like a Mortal Kombat fan's dream. Uh, mm-hmm. I know you're not a Mortal Kombat fan, but this is, I'm, for me, like, occasionally I love gratuitous violence. It's, it's rare for me to really plug into it, but occasionally that, that, that very small part of me that is a man um, wants to see some <laughs> bloody murder. And uh, and this sounds like it's going to scratch that itch. Are are you are you plugged in? Are you stoked for Mortal Kombat at all? I, maybe it's not tied so much to the your fandom of the games. Um, I don't know. Where, where are you at on this? Um. Yeah, I'm not like a huge Mortal Kombat. 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 Mortal Kombat. <laughs> not a huge. <laughs> not a huge Mortal Kombat fan. Um. No. I. I it's I don't know. I, I like that I think the the bigger thing here for me at least is that I, I like that they are trying to appeal to the video game audience. I actually heard an interview with the one of the producers of it, uh, Todd Garner. He has his own podcast and stuff too, but he he's he's a producer on this and I think James Wan is also involved mm-hmm. too. But 
they they're they're really working. They're actually working kind of close because apparently there's going to be a new Mortal Kombat game released shortly before the movie comes out. So in a couple more years, so they're working closely with with some of the video game creators and things like that to really integrate some of the story of Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat now with how many iterations they've had, there's a lot of different lore not it's not just like a tournament anymore like it was you know in the, in the the original games there's a lot of different lore and stuff in there and so they're trying to integrate some of that while also making it a you know a fun cinematic experience as, as well so i think i think that's good I, I i like that they are going to try and and include some of the story that people really love into it and i think that is encouraging just overall for video games because with video game movies in the past, I mean, I know a lot of people really like the original Mortal Kombat movie. Say it's one of the best, if not the best, video game movie. Um, I've only seen bits and pieces back when it was on like Spike TV when I was a kid, so I don't really know that much about it. But that seemed to be just more of the tournament-based stuff, whereas this is going to integrate the, the story. And I, I, I like that that's starting to kind of turn a little bit because we haven't had a ton of like super crappy video game movies recently. They've been at least mediocre for a lot of them. And it, and I think part of what they get right is that they include some of the story in there uh, from, from the games and maybe are lacking in other areas or don't have great cast or whatever it might be. I, I hope that's, you know, some, now that we're starting to get a little bit better, those, those, those uh, stories in there and better, better movies and better casts and things like that. they're starting to get more and more budget into these things and more eyes on it. I, I hope that some of these movies really do well because video games have a ton of really good lore to it. A lot of obviously many games are story based. So being able to pack that story into a movie, I hope is something that is going to translate soon because there's been so many crappy game video game movies in the past. Well, and that's a big part of it. You talk about like the story behind, and I think that that's where a lot of them have fallen flat is is most of the video game movies are trying to focus, like oftentimes what's really cool about a video game is the gameplay. And you're never gonna get, that never is gonna translate. Like even even if you go first person mode for like a scene like they did in Doom, which was fun, but that does not a good movie make, you know? So they have to figure out a way to get into the story of a video game movie and not rely so heavily on what makes video games fun, like actively fun to play, is the gameplay. So there's there's a balancing act where you do have to have that represented, but it's hard to do it and tell a good story. I mean, we've seen infinite examples of this where, yeah, of course you get some cool action scenes in some of these things, but like there are so many good video games. Uncharted is coming out soon. Um, and uh, Tomb Raider is an example of this. Like you can you can mine good shit out of the story from a video game, and I think so many people get hamstrung by oh we have to do first person shooter mode, that uh, something gets lost in translation. And and hopefully they're getting into that because I don't just want to watch you know a bunch of death matches uh, on screen. <laughs> right. You know. So uh, maybe I I I like this. And James Wan for me has a lot of. Uh, I trust James Wan. Uh, he's had some misses, no doubt, but in general, I've really enjoyed almost everything that I've seen him do. And uh, so I'm hopeful for this. And I know he's just a producer on this, but even just to be uh, you know, involved, uh, I think it bodes well. Uh, so we'll see. But like, what? Okay, so here, here this maybe is a... Uh, a potential Mambo number five topic, but like, can you pick like, what's a, what's a good example of a video game movie that you can recall? Um, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I can't say necessarily anything was really good. I mean, 
Like, Tomb Raider was fine. I think that had the issue of, like, I mean, I, I thought they integrated a, a good part of the story, but I think they they tried adding some things in that didn't make sense with the, the story. Like, if they would have just stuck with the overall story from Tomb Raider and, they like, they spent way too much time in the beginning, like, with her and her job and stuff like that, and then they just – they didn't fully – they didn't fully do the whole Trinity stuff. It just felt like they kind of pulled some pieces out that worked and added in other pieces that didn't. And then I thought some of the action in that just felt um, it didn't. It felt like you were watching the video game, but not like in it. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's some scenes where like there's some jumping scenes that were straight from the video game, and some of that was cool. But then others it just felt like the CGI of the video game. And like if I'm in a, in the movie, I need to feel the scope of it. You know. Right. So I just think I think that studios try and. You know, they, they they really do stuff to try and appease the fans as opposed to, like, actually make this for the fans. And there's a reason that people love this stuff. So, you know, I, th- I think I think they need to be able to integrate all of that, the story, the action, and make a true-to-life adaptation instead of, like, thinking about dollars and cents. And, oh, I, we can get – if we just show these things in the trailer, we can get these video game fans in there. But then you're not going to get a sequel out of it. You're not going to get return viewers to it. You know, it's just going to live in that one moment. You get your cheap buck, and then it's over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it feels, um, like, shallow, a lot of the ones that mm-hmm. we've seen. They go for the easy, uh, the easy you know, cheer and, and less about making a good movie. Do you think, okay, so obviously in the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years, uh, video games themselves have gotten so much more cinematic. So do you think that the future of video game movies is bright be- is brighter because of the video games they'll be based on? Because there is a lot of great video game material that already feels like a movie. Like just, just reshoot it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I think that's a good point, too, because a lot of the video game movies that we've gotten are based off stuff that you know, is, is, is older or, you know, uses some, a lot more video games nowadays use a lot more real stuff or stuff that feels more grounded, but you know, you can, you can really sink your, your teeth into and, and kind of live in that, that world as opposed to like these big fantasy, you know, landscapes. There, there's a lot more personal stories in video games now. And I, I do think there is a lot, a lot of material. And I think Uncharted is one that we've talked about many times as being one that, that it totally works for it. You know, the, the new Uncharted game or Uncharted movie is something that I'm very excited about with what, the, what, what, what I've seen just in terms of like what I've heard and what I've seen in terms of like just early, early concept art and things like that. I think Tom Holland is going to be a great Nathan Drake. I, I think they're going a little younger with it, obviously, but I think that, that that'll still work. I've heard recently, too, that the it's not going to be a direct, direct adaptation of Uncharted. Like, it's not going to be based off of the game, necessarily, like, in terms of the exact story. But they're going to incorporate the elements and keep the, the characters and all that the same. So, you know, I... I I, I like that. I, I might be a little contradictory to what I just said, but at the same time, it's you know, it's I don't want to see the exact game on you know but the story and all that. I already played it once. I know how it's going to you know turn out. Mm-hmm. You know, ha- have a good story, especially something in, like Uncharted. You can do a billion stories with it. Have a good drawn out story. Just make sure the characters' essence is still there. Give give me a good movie like that was missing in, in Tomb Raider, where they you know the, where they tried to make a, a story a different story out of it. You know, do that, but actually add some depth and layers to it, and, and make the action feel like I'm watching a movie and not necessarily just playing the game or or seeing a cutscene of the game. 
Um, I also too, I, I we've we've had conversations off off uh, off recording. Um, one name I've heard recently for Sully is Brian Cranston, and that, that would, would be, be good. excellent. Yeah, God, talk about yeah. uh, talk about a 2014 Seth just creaming his jeans. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a perfect intersection. I think it'd be good, and and you're right. Like there's a balance between we take elements of what makes the video game good and elements of what makes movies good. There's a, there's a balance in there. You can't go too sharply either direction. Um, but I do think that we agree on the fact that the movie, the video games that have come out lately, uh, lend themselves to better adaptations than ones in the past. Mortal Kombat has no story or meaning really at all. <laughs> like there's some there. They give you a reason why they're all fighting, but like. It's pretty mm. flat. So the filmmaker's job is going to be to provide some depth and give us a reason why this guy is kicking the head off another guy and shoving it into his ass. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, even if it's as simple as uh, they shot his dog, then uh, that seems to be good enough for, for filmgoers, especially the, the hosts of this podcast. So uh, who knows? We'll see. Uh, but I, I do think the future of video game movies is, is looking up. Um, I, I am an optimist in, in that regard. So we'll see. If it's Mortal Kombat, great. If it's Uncharted, great. If it's neither of those, it'll be another one. The Division is in the works, which I think really could work uh, as a film. And it's um, got some, some pretty good uh, acting talent is, is in talks to be involved. So uh, I, th- I think we're going to get a, a very good movie that happens to be about a video game uh, in the not-too-distant future. So we shall see on the video game movies, uh, but that's going to be it for, for movie news for this week. Let's get on to, uh, to another edition of Mambo Number 5. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo Number 5. So uh, five. we're going to get into a review later in the show about the highly anticipated comedy Stuber, which uh, features Kamel Nanjiani uh, teaming up in a buddy cop fashion with Dave Batista. And uh, we'll we'll hear Seth's thoughts later on um, on what he thought of that garbage movie. Um, <laughs> but before we get into that, uh, we thought it'd be fun to count down our top five buddy cop movies. And uh, this is a pretty loose definition. Basically, anyone in law enforcement who is in a pair um, can qualify. These don't have to be comedies. Uh, and I think a couple of mine. I don't know. A couple of mine kind of ride the ride the the line there, but. Um, I've got a lot of these down. I've got a lot of honorable mentions, but I'm pretty stoked about my top five. Um, so uh, we got we got a lot of uh, a lot of police duos coming at you. Uh, let's get into it. Number five. I went back and forth between two on this, um, so I'm gonna go with the one I ended up picking. But um, tell me if this one qualifies. I think it does. I have at number five, super bad. Because there are cops in there, mm. and the cops are buddies, and they're funny as fuck. No, I wouldn't count. Ah, that. boo! Because it's not—it's not a buddy cop movie. Sure, that's that's in there, but that's not the—that's not the. Okay, fair. Whole, the whole. I know you're trying to get <laughs> super bad in there as many times as possible, <laughs> but you need to get it the fuck out this time. I'm sick of this shit. All right, fine. I'm gonna need to change my number one from Booksmart then. Um. <laughs> let's go with my alternate um my alternate number five which frankly this is a movie that did not get reviewed very well but i really enjoyed it uh it came out last year on netflix bright and um this is will smith uh pairing up with joel edgerton joel edgerton is playing a um an orc 
in this. So it's set in that kind of mystical version of L.A. And uh, this movie is not perfect, but I, I did enjoy it. I liked it a lot. I liked it more than the average person did. Uh, there's sequels in the works, apparently. And uh, I just really like the world build here. And uh, there's an interesting um, incongruity in Bright where Will Smith is a little bit prejudiced against the orc character, which I thought was an interesting twist. Uh, orcs are standing in for, you know, either Mexicans or black folks uh, in this in this realm. So um, it's just an interesting world that I really enjoyed. Uh, they didn't nail every beat here, but... Uh, but I thought it was fun. And as as cop duos go, uh, a man and an orc are pretty creative. So I liked Bright. Again, I know not everybody does, but uh, it's on it's on my list at number five. Um, my number five might be a can kick. Uh, it is Hot Fuzz. Oh, you know what? I forgot about Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz should have been on my list. I that's a that's a yeah. mea culpa. Um, go ahead and talk about it. But yeah, this should have been high on my list. You. You dumb son of a... <laughs> um, hot Fuzz. Yeah, it's a it's a hot little movie uh, with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost uh, about their couple cops. And they're kind of in this, uh, this situation. Uh, these, I mean, they're, they're two less important cops that they end up in this kind of uh, messed up situation uh, that, that they get themselves into. And... Uh, they they kind of have to figure things out on their own. They're 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 in, they're in a world that they basically that they that that they're that they're kind of set up in, I guess, in a way. But yeah, it's uh, it's a very good movie. Very very fun. It's very funny, but uh, it's smart too. They uh, Edgar Wright is a really good filmmaker, and uh, he's he's of course the writer and director of this one as well. And yeah, very really good movie overall. I like this one. Uh, forgetting about uh, forgetting about Hot Fuzz prompted me to do a quick Google search of buddy cop movies. There are a thousand movies that I should have had ahead of Bright. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll roll on. I'm not going to change my list, but I'll have a ton of honorable mentions. So we'll come back to it. Number four. Number four is a movie that um, you kind of don't realize is a buddy cop movie until you realize it is. Uh, Zootopia. And you have hmm. uh, you have Judy Hopps and um, that little fox guy played by Jason Bateman. Uh, and this is kind of a delightful little. They you know they stumble upon each other and they're forced to join forces to kind of solve this crime. And I love the movie Zootopia. I think it's a really smart movie. Uh, it's funny. It's deep. And um, I liked it a lot. So it's kind of an interesting pairing that I thought was fun. And um, yeah, as far as animated movies go from the last five or so years, I think it's underrated. I think it gets lost behind some of the Frozens and Coco and uh, Moana and some of the other stuff. But uh, I think Zootopia belongs right up there with the top animated movies of the last handful of years, and um, it qualifies as a buddy cop. So uh, I really enjoyed That's Zootopia. True. I know you saw it too. Yeah, you probably don't have it on your list, but uh, I know you can vouch for it being dope. No, it is it is awesome, and I, honestly, I didn't even think about that being a buddy cop movie. But if I did, it probably would have made my list. It's a good one. Uh, my number four is still so. This is technically law enforcement because it's a uh, an undercover uh, agency. Uh, it, uh, it and it's two two unlikely buddies. It's Men in Black, the original. Yeah. So uh, my number four. We're gonna. I'm gonna kick you, but we'll come back to this in just a second. Okay. Number three. Men in Black was my number three. And uh, we're, of course, talking about the first one. Um, and 
Oh, I suck at Mott 2. You like Men in Black 2? Honestly, dude, I can't remember a single fucking thing about Men in Black I was two. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was kidding. But the first Men in Black is, this is, this is, at the time, and it came out in the late 90s, it was kind of a throwback to the 90, or to the late 80s, early 90s, um, buddy cop movie uh, with an alien twist. You have a great turn by Vincent D'Onofrio in this. Um, uh, K and J, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith are, are perfect opposites in this. And, um, it's dope, man. It's just, it's, it's, it's hella fun the entire way through. It's got some pretty good humor. Uh, it's got some pretty good action. And, uh, yeah, it's the, the seriousness, uh, and this is always the case in these movies, the seriousness of, uh, Tommy Lee Jones against the kind of cocky wittiness of Will Smith works every single fucking time. And that only, I only appreciate it more after having seen the garbage Men in Black International a few weeks ago. <laughs> Um, my number three could uh, I guess I don't know anymore what you picked because it sounded like you didn't do any research nope. before you made your list. <laughs> <laughs> so my number three is a uh, a fun movie. I, I really enjoy this one. Shane Black directed The Nice Guys. Yeah. So this is one that was on the list that I googled quick. Uh, I, sh- I it would yeah. it would have been on my list had I done any research. <laughs> the Nice Guys. It's a it's a great one. Uh, very. This one kind of this one's like a borderline drama comedy. I mean, it's had funny moments, but it's definitely more uh, had you know had more action and drama elements in there as well. But uh, Russell Crowe and, and Ryan Gosling have a strange chemistry that like you don't think those two actors would have, but they definitely do. Uh, yeah, Shane Black has his own his own flair in it. Again, does have some funny moments, but has some pretty serious ones. Some some good some good little action pieces in there as well. Good little kind of like. Uh, mystery-ish a little you know kind of unfolding as it goes but yeah nice guys highly recommend this movie was a huge surprise to us when we went to it Uh, it didn't get a lot of advertising before it came out and uh, so we went and it was a very pleasant surprise Uh, i've seen it a couple times since and it holds up for repeated viewing so if you haven't seen the nice guys it gets a high recommendation from us number two my number two is what I – now, I, I know that these originated in like the, this – I mean, they go back as far as forever in movies, and the 80s made them really popular. But for me in my lifetime, one of the OG buddy cop movies is Rush Hour. and uh, Yeah, that's my number two. Yeah, sweet. Um, man, dude, like – I mean, the fu- you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth and, and fucking everything <laughs> – everything that Chris Tucker says in this is fucking hilarious. And he's playing against Jackie Chan who's like – He's a little bit goofy, but, like, there's the language barrier there and the cultural barrier. And um, the action in this is great, obviously, because it's Jackie Chan. Uh, some kick-ass mm-hmm. action scenes. And Chris Tucker, is this is the height of his powers. Um, and uh, the sequels hold up, too. Rush Hour 2 and 3 are both awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went with the OG myself, but this is fun. I mean, I used to catch this on, like, TBS all the time. And it's just, it's a blast. Number one. I wouldn't be shocked if we have the same number one, because I know you love this movie, too. I got 21 Jump Street. Yeah. yeah. Oh, booyah. Uh, this, talk about another movie that, that surprised me that came out of nowhere. Um, here's a movie. Oh, we're going to reboot a uh, very mediocre and low rated um, 80s like action show and make it into an action comedy with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. And it worked. All the way through, everything they did in this worked. Uh, it was both these guys are very funny. Uh, it had some stuff to. It was updated to current times. You had some really fun, um, like the here's what high school kids are like in 2012 or whenever they brought this out. 
um, versus mm -hmm. when these guys went to school 10 years before and like Eminem was popular. Um, and uh, there's, uh, you have Ice Cube is fantastic in this. Dave Franco is fantastic in this. Brie Larson is fantastic in this. Um, Rob Riggle is great. Uh, there, every every side character in this is fucking hilarious and awesome. And there's so many just little bit. This is a movie you can watch a hundred times and find something new to laugh at each time. And there's actually decent action in mm -hmm. it too. It's, this movie is so fucking fun. And it's written by uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller too. So uh, they're they're great. They're the Lego Movie guys and Last Man on Earth and uh, obviously Spider Man Spider Verse mm -hmm. guys. So. Yeah, they're they're it's it's great all around. It's and Twenty Two Jump Street is just as good as the first one as well. I like the first one a little bit more um, because it wasn't as like heavy handed as like as referential and all that stuff. It just felt like it's well still rever referential, but it wasn't like wasn't based off being a sequel like Twenty Two Jump Street was. But it you know a, a lot of fun. Uh, it's you know those are those are endlessly rewatchable movies. So definitely uh, my number one buddy cop movie. Yeah, totally. So we had a. Okay, we came back to a good a good place at the end of my list. Back half of my list, I would I would like to have changed, but um, here's a couple uh, a couple of honorable mentions that I have. Uh, Shanghai Nights is sort of a yeah. sort of a, a rush hour light, um, but I do I do really enjoy Shanghai Nights uh, and and really all of them. I think Shanghai Noon might have been the first one. Um, yeah, but um, uh, what else do I have? I have Collateral in here. Have you seen Collateral? I don't think so. It's a lot more dramatic. It's not a comedy at all. Uh, Jamie Foxx and Tom Cruise. This is one of my favorite Tom Cruise roles. You can expect to see this on your list very soon if you haven't uh, if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> a couple of uh, dog partner movies: K Nine with Jim Belushi, and then Turner and Hooch with Tom Hanks. Uh, those are some pretty fun ones that I used to watch a lot as a kid. Um, we have End of Watch, which is one of my yep. favorite cop movies out there. It's fantastic, very realistic, and well done. Um, this one isn't, I, I had a fun time with this, but I won't accuse it of being like a really good movie. You remember Let's Be Cops? Yeah. That one was pretty fun, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it wasn't uh, It wasn't a great movie, but yeah, it was funny. Yeah. Um, Lethal Weapon, obviously, oh, those movies are kind of the OG. You had the um, uh, Die Hard, whichever Die Hard had uh, Sam Jackson in it, that gets into some uh, buddy cop territory. Uh, the Bad Boys movies are great. Um, uh Here's here's one that I might have included had I done some research. The other guys, Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, mm. that shit is funny. Yep. Um, that was an honor of mention uh, yeah. for me. We have uh, Starsky and Hutch. They did a pretty good job on that one. <laughs> no, they didn't. That movie's butt. You don't like Starsky and <laughs> I Hutch? I love dude. it, but it's, oh, it's funny, man. It's butt. <laughs> it's so bad. Well, I okay, you're right. It's not a good movie, but it's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how I should have said that. <laughs> I'm I'm probably the one who showed you that movie too because I used to love it when I was a kid because it was just so fu like dumb funny, yeah. but but it's bad. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, there's so many of these. I mean, there's a thousand of them. Uh, we can we can cut it off there. But uh, uh, oh shit! You know what, dude? We forgot Cop Out. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> uh, ride alongs. I I don't like ride along. I don't think that's very good. Uh, so better better than it had any business being though the heat Sandra Bullock and uh, Melissa McCarthy actually kind of enjoyed that one um, but uh, there's a shitload of these it's a very popular genre so it makes all the sense in the world that you would have an entirely different list of five uh, than we did so let us know uh, Seth is on the tweets at Soco Show Pod I 
I'm on the Facebook at Soko Show Pod. Uh, let us know what your top five list of buddy cop films would be. Uh, these are fun movies, man. There's a, you could watch all the movies on our list and have a really fun weekend. And um, I'm not going to do it, but, you know, someone could. <laughs> That's it for Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. All right. We have alluded to the list. I have a couple films that I'm going to be adding to your list, Seth. But uh, it is my week to watch uh, something from our list of, of uh, cross-assigned movie homework. Uh, here comes this week's edition of We Missed the Boat. Oh! I'm on a boat, and You're going to need a bigger boat. All right. So this was a this was an interesting week. I uh, I, I I was going back and forth. I was like, I'm gonna watch that movie, and then I, I sat down. And I was like, I'm gonna watch this movie, and then I was busy, and then I switched, and I was like, I'm gonna watch that movie. So this came as a surprise to me. I did not expect to watch this this week, but I'm glad that I did. I last night watched Sicario, and mm. that movie's fucking cool, man. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is Denis Villeneuve, who is absolutely one of my top favorite filmmakers. Uh, that is going right now uh, of you may have heard uh, on a prior episode that I uh, I kind of like this movie Arrival that he did and uh, big <laughs> big fan of that and then uh, also um, uh, Prisoners with uh, Hugh Jackman and Paul Dano was a really good one um, Villeneuve has a very distinct filmmaking style and that's very present in Sicario it's a lot of really long takes a lot of quietness mm-hmm a lot of tension building. And I think that's the thing in Sicario that I really liked. Um, Emily Blunt is kind of this fish out of water. She gets thrown into this, this really hardcore special unit, uh, that is doing some shit that, uh, maybe isn't quite, you know, cool. And, uh, she's kind of morally questioning, should we be doing this kind of stuff? And, you know, that train keeps rolling on without her and she's kind of along for the ride. So this movie has a lot of tension. It's based around the Mexican border. And so there's a lot of elements of like, you know, um, the bad guys are cartel members. So they're hiding in plain sight. You don't really know uh, who who might pull out a gun and shoot you at any given moment. Uh, Benicio Del Toro is doing a lot in this movie with very few lines. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's plays a really, really intense character. Josh Brolin, I, I was surprised... Um, at how much of a backseat Josh Brolin takes in this movie. I thought he was going to be a more prominent character, but he is sort of a mouthpiece for this unit and his scenes are really well done. I think, um, Emily Blunt though, really surprised mm-hmm. me in this. I, I didn't realize she was going to be such a big part of it. And, um, her acting as sort of the, the conduit for the audience, I thought really worked for me because as the audience member, you're like, I don't know if you can do that kind of shit. And she's saying that, um, there is a scene on here uh, where they're on a bridge and it is one of the best, what, 15, maybe 20 minutes of film that I've seen ever. Um, <laughs> they ramp up the tension so high and they get you so just like, oh my God, what the fuck is going to happen? And then, you know, they go on with the scene. But like Vill- Villeneuve does with the camera and with the sound here, uh, he had me just on a string throughout this entire movie. Um it's relatively straightforward. There's not a lot of twists and turns. There's a couple surprises, but it really, it, it's just giving you, here's some action, watch it and be entertained by it. And I thought that was really cool. It's been a while since I've watched this kind of movie. I don't, I don't typically go for a lot of this, like, um, you know, uh, special ops cops are going in to shoot some stuff. Like it, it's not often what I gravitate toward, 
Um, but I really liked it here. And it felt small and intimate um, in a way that I didn't expect. You know, you get into like the drug war and you tend to get these big blown out of proportion uh, movies. But uh, there's just enough surprises here. The, the, I think the technical aspects of filmmaking here are done as well as any movie I've seen in a long time. And um, that's the acting, the, the, the cinematography, the, the sound in this and uh, the storytelling techniques that they use. Uh, this is a brilliant movie. I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that I finally got to it and that you put it on my list because I, <laughs> I enjoyed it as much as I'm sure you hoped I would. Uh, this movie fucking bangs, dude. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's one that I kind of just watched on a, on a Sunday afternoon, but I, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And, and I, I kind of watched it too because I knew the second one came out. Um, I mean, you should still, still check out the second one, um, but it's definitely not as well done as the first one it's it's good it's way more action oriented and and doesn't go it it doesn't have as like deep of a story uh they don't they don't really like the tension really isn't there as much it just kind of felt like the first half kind of felt like the first movie and the second half felt like just a complete action movie Mm -hmm. um so it did did kind of waver in that way because i don't think denny denny villeneuve came back for that one right but it uh it's still good, but yeah, the first one is, is excellent. Oh man, dude. And I, I understand why the second one wouldn't be as good because you can't you can't bank on as much of that tension, you know, because there's a lot going on in the first one that you can't get you can't do again in the second. Um, but another thing that I would compliment too is the realism. Like every bullet in this matters and you feel it in the sound and the way it's shot. Like someone getting shot in this doesn't get up and run away. Like you know, it, it's taken very seriously. Gunfire is taken very seriously. And it, it's pretty graphic, though, I would warn folks. And I would warn folks also that it moves it moves very slowly and very intentionally. So if you're looking for something that is an explosion a minute, this is not that. Um, so mm-hmm. you have to be very patient to really appreciate this. And luckily I was, and I enjoyed it a lot. And it's got a very satisfying conclusion to me. So... Um, I really, really did like Sicario. This was a very good, a very. This is exactly why we have this list, because uh, I might, I might never have gotten back to this, but uh, I'm glad that I did. <laughs> so my list is now down to four. It needs replaced. Uh, we need to backfill. What do you got? What do you got coming down the pipe for for my list here? Um. So since this was kind of a, a little bit more of a slower paced movie, and was was done by kind of a more artier director. I'm going to go with kind of kind of something of of the same uh slower paced movie more uh kind of there's definitely a lot of tension in this one um no no gun stuff or anything like that but uh it's going to be leave no trace from last oh, year. Fuck yeah. I'm excited for this one. You spoke so high. This is one that came out of nowhere for you. Um and mm-hmm. I know you kind of went to you on a, on a on a recommendation from I think another podcast and and spoke very highly of all year. I think did it end up making your top ten of last year. It was number two. Oh fuck yeah! So it was high up. Um, I'm excited to check this out. It's uh it's an interesting. It's not one that I would catch on my own though, to be completely honest. So, uh, but hearing your rave review last year, um, I am excited to to check that out. So, uh, leave no trace. You just made the list. So I will be uh, I will be checking that out in the next two weeks. Uh, Seth will be watching a film uh, well, in the next week. Not necessarily. Well, sorry, I will be you're, checking you're out something th- from my list. Uh, my list, which yeah, now includes can... Toy Story Three, If Beale Street Could Talk, Call Me by Your Name, Wally, 
and now mm-hmm. the new edition, Leave No Trace. So I've got two weeks to watch one of those and review it. Seth has one week to pick one of his five films. What, what do you got on the list right now? Uh, Cabin in the Woods, Zodiac, Equilibrium, Steve Jobs, How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, that's a banger of a, of a list. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to hear, uh, hear your review of one of those films next week as a part of the segment, We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and you're going to need a bigger boat. I got to tell you, I'm really digging this segment. It's cool. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, all we've got left to do is review some movies. And it was an interesting, it was an interesting weekend at the box office. I'm excited to get into it here. Let's, let's do some reviews here. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. Uh, you know what? Let's, uh, so we, you've heard already on this show, the two movies we're going to review are Crawl and Stuber. We both saw Crawl, uh, and frankly, I'm impatient. I would, I, I want to hear you talk about Stuber. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. I'm dying to know. How is Stuber? Uh, Stuber is the going to be the best picture winner this year. <laughs> it is number one on my list for movies I've seen this year. Um, absolutely loved it every second. No, um, Stuber is obviously it's the Camille Nanjiani and Dave Bautista uh, film. Uh, um, they, uh, Batista, he is a cop who he, so he, okay. So he, he has, so it's a really weird, uh, weird setup, but so his partner's killed his partner's Karen Gillan, who is actually also in that my spy movie coming out. Who is his partner in that as well? He's a cop in that too. And uh, but she's in this and and that actually got pushed pushed to 2020 because it's supposed to come out in August, which is weird. But they just kind of like since there was already a Dave Batista movie coming out in July, they just pushed it off to next year. Anyway, now they're here nor there. But it's just kind of weird how that all worked out with she is also his partner in that one and stuff. But anyway, she gets killed. Uh, Karen Gillan can uh, definitely get that. Absolutely fucking right. uh, Get it. uh, Get that and is in a bullet because she dies. (laughs) And so she dies. Batista is an older cop, and he's kind of nearing the end of his his run. But he's definitely hell bent on on getting the person who who took down his partner. He also has bad vision, so he's wearing glasses, which is kind of the reason that Karen Gillan was killed, or part of the reason. And so he decides to get LASIK surgery. Well, he you know can't drive. Uh, and there's a there, there's a, a a break in what happened, and it it turns out that uh, that the day he gets LASIK, the the person who kills Karen Gillan is uh, out is found is out on is, is out out there, and so he needs uh, a, an Uber driver to to go get, to go to help him out to go get. This okay. For, okay. Uh, so, what a fucking Simpsons ass setup to a fucking movie <laughs> where we don't care what the setup is. Just take us to the shit that we we came to see. Does how long does all that shit take? Um, fifteen or so minutes. That's too fucking long, man. Jesus. All right. What well, then? What happens? <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's there's still some comedy moments in there and stuff. So then, uh. Of course, the Uber driver is is 
Camille Nanjiani, Stu, and he's called Stuber because he's Stu Uber, right? Get Brilliant. It? And <laughs> so Stuber also has, or Stu also has his own backstory. Uh, Betty Gilpin from Glow is like his friend. Like they, they're he's like friend zoned with her, but had like a one night stand with her type thing, and he's trying to win her uh, affection. And so he's, but he's very boring. He's Stu. He's plain, and but he's also um, in the in this moment. So Betty Gilpin's character breaks up with uh, her boyfriend uh, when they hooked the, they hooked up once and back in time, and sent, and that was after she broke up with another guy. So she wants to fuck him now as well because she just broke up. And so he wants to be with her, but same time he doesn't want to just be fuck buddies. So there's that whole plot line going on there too. Um, basically that's the whole thing though, is, is Batista can't see. And so there's a lot of that going on where he's, he needs, needs Stu's help to defeat and get to different places because he can't see, uh, because his vision's coming back after the LASIK and all that stuff. Uh, just a, but you know, a, a dumb little buddy cop movie that's got some, some jokes and stuff, uh, peppered in there. It's there, there, there are some really good jokes. I think actually Batista does a really good job in this of being a straight man. I think he's probably the best part of the movie, um, and I'm not just saying that as a Batista fan. Like objectively, he's he's actually the best part of the movie. I think he, uh, being the straight man, he he lands some good lines. I think it's because he's playing off of Kamel, and Kamel is probably the worst part of this movie. He's the best. He's he's really he has some really good jokes, but then there's also some other stuff that doesn't land. And I think that's because in hearing some stuff that went on with this movie, he was basically just throwing lines out there constantly. He just and I think that's because he was told to do that because there's a lot of improv involved with his part and and I think he took a pass at the script as well to to help write some of the stuff. So it was just basically them throwing as many jokes in there as they could and some of them really landed and were funny and some didn't land at all and it, it just he just ba- it just felt like he didn't stop talking in this movie. <laughs> you know, he was just con- he was constantly throwing out lines. And so that that was kind of that was kind of rough and and you know, it's there are parts of this movie I really liked, parts that just didn't land. I, it's not great by any means, but it's not bad either. I thought the action kind of worked in here too. I thought there was some good action, but you know, it's it's not. I'm not going to rave about this movie. Obviously, I don't think it's the it's it's anywhere near the funniest movie I've seen this year. But I, I don't think it was a terrible movie either. I don't think it's unwatchable. I think it's definitely a if it's on HBO or Netflix or whatever, uh, it's worth putting on you know it's it there's some funny stuff that that'll get you through if you had a few drinks or whatever uh you have some chemical enhancements i think i think you'll i think you'll have a good time with it uh again not not poop by any means but not 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 a good comedy either so uh it's 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 a little bit of butt fun i think (laughs) oh butt fun oh that's nasty that's uh that's a good – wait, we haven't had anything that's butt fun yet, so that's a good new uh, – I think that's a good word for me. Um, I, will, uh, I will say this. Uh, I have I've hated Stuber since it was first uh, pitched to me, which I think was during WrestleMania. <laughs> and um, while I wish you had had a better time at it, uh, I'm not shocked. And uh, I feel a little bit vindicated because now I don't feel like I need to go see this movie. Um, and I won't. So that's Stuber. Uh, should should Seth be higher on this? Let us know. Uh, tweet at him at Soko Show Pod and uh, let him know why Stuber is the top comedy 
to come out uh, since 1990. So uh, Stuber behind us. Uh, let's get to another movie that we both saw. And Seth, um, I don't know if you'll agree. This was, to me, a very pleasant surprise, actually. Uh, this is Crawl. And mm-hmm. this movie is based around a hurricane that has trapped a girl and her father in a house uh, in Florida, of course, where there are a shitload of giant fucking alligators that want to eat them. And so uh, it's it's very kind of shoebox. You know, it's based in tight quarters. It uh, basically has almost everything that you need to scare the fuck out of Cody. Um, but uh, this is less of a horror movie, more of a high-tension thriller. And I did not expect much out of this movie. But reviews started coming out and saying that it was very fun. It was uh, tense. It was well shot. And I think all of those things are true. Um, we got a serviceable performance from the... Uh, the main actors. Uh, this is a movie that I think took itself the exact amount of seriously. Um, they have a, a little bit of drama in here, uh, maybe a little bit of extra stuff that they didn't need. They add an angle in here. I personally think that uh, being stuck in a house and alligators with your dad and alligators is enough drama, <laughs> but. They put in an angle where they have kind of a strained relationship that I thought was really unnecessary. Um, But you get quite a few pretty good uh, alligators eating shit, like people and limbs and all sorts of other stuff. Uh, And some really good scares, especially some jump scares. Um, But some really good scenes of like, uh, fans of the show will know, anything chasing someone, uh, that gets me going really badly. And anything chasing someone while they're swimming is a total fucking nightmare for me. So this movie had, it had my number in terms of getting me bought into the thrills of it. And I thought that they, they did exactly what they set out to do, which was not to make the best movie of the year, but to make a really enjoyable thriller. And I thought it nailed, it nailed that for me. I, are you, did you agree? Yeah, I think that th- th- those parts of it, like the alligator stuff and the, you know some of the the scares and the effects and and all that. I thought were were really well done. Um, I, I thought the the entire story was but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think any of that story was necessary. Uh, the whole father daughter thing was so schmalty and just I was just like, okay, we get it. I you know I I, I get that their 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 relationship is a strain, and I get that he pushed her. Like it just felt so forced and felt just so cheesy and I, I didn't like the story at all. I thought that was dumb. I didn't think either of the performances were really that good either but um, I, I thought that what what they, the, the overall appeal of it I thought is what worked. You know, the, the alligators, the the suspense, the the tension um, just kind of like with Sicario but in a different way. Uh, I thought the, the some of the, like the the shock factor stuff, there was a scene with a bone that was sticking out of a oh, leg God, yeah. that was gross and that that was just ooh, and it was just fun. Like I the the parts the parts when they weren't trying to go too too cheesy and try and focus on the story, I had fun with. Uh, you know, just the overall uh, the the uh, I guess what we've already said the tension and and you know all the, the 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 scares and all that stuff. That was all a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I, I could have done without about twenty minutes of the story that they tried interjecting in there. Mm-hmm. And you say, and, and the, the, the tricky thing, though, is uh, you take 20 minutes off of this movie and it's not really a feature anymore because this is a tight movie. 
Uh, it is, yeah, it's like an hour 27. Yeah, it is not very long, and I think that, that services the movie. They didn't bloat I mean, they bloated it with some crap they didn't need, but it wasn't so bloated that it was two hours, and you would have definitely gotten bored because there's only so much you can do with alligators. Um, yeah, it's like, it's like they filmed uh, the alligator stuff and all that. They filmed all the stuff in the house first, and they're like, all right, so how do we <laughs> make this into a movie, yeah. <laughs> not just alligators? Yeah. Uh, the alligator stuff, though, um, they did a really good job on. You know, a, a lot of that I'm sure was CG, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I don't really remember ever really being like, "Wow, that's bad." Like, uh, of course, there's mm-hmm. cover of darkness and cover of being underwater here, but I, I thought that the the gators were really convincing for me. Yep. Yeah, and some of the different reveals of of the the alligators were kind of cool, and uh, the light, the way they used the light was pretty cool, and and all that. So yeah, it was it was a fun movie, and like I'm not a fan at all, especially in, in like of uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not afraid of water, but I'm definitely afraid of like there's something in this water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I don't you know I, if I don't know what's in there, and I hate 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 uh, water levels in video games like with a passion. <laughs> I fucking hate it. <laughs> And so this this was like that. This felt like a like when they were in the water and all that stuff was happening. I was like, this feels like a a video game with where the water level. And so that that was that built the the suspense and stuff for me. Yeah, it was. Um, this was a nightmare cocktail for me. Uh, as I said, there's swimming, there's claustrophobia, there is. Um, I'm gonna do what Seth didn't do for me and warn people who are afraid of spiders that there is. Um, there is at least one very effective scare involving spiders that I fucking hated. Uh, so watch out for spiders. Watch out for claustrophobia and 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 threat of drowning. And of course, alligators in this. A uh, lot of triggers for people who are who are uh, afraid of stuff. But this is an effective movie. It, it's one of if I ranked like my horror thrillers, this would feature feature highly. I think on it. Um, and uh, I think even 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 aided by the fact that it was a surprise. I was not expecting this to be as good as it was. Um, a lot of people are saying that though so watch out for the really crappy crawl 2 coming out next year uh, probably if, uh, at a, for an attempted money grab but <laughs> if you're a horror thriller fan and you don't mind some of those triggers uh check out crawl we're gonna recommend it i would say it's it's right it's as close to the fun uh it's a clo- as close to the fun uh, category as as a movie is gonna get um this was an enjoyable time at the movies i'm not gonna think about it anymore uh, having reviewed it, but uh, but I, I did enjoy my time in it. So an interesting uh, interesting weekend at the movies. Uh, this coming week, uh, actually tonight, as of the release of this show, uh, you can get out and see The Lion King, which is finally coming out. Seth, you going on Thursday? I am. I am, I am excited. There you go. Uh, let us know on Facebook and on Twitter what you thought of The Lion King. We're, of course, going to review it next week. Uh, very highly anticipated. We've been talking about it for months, so... Uh, there's been some some interestingly mixed uh, reviews out of early screenings for it, so I am I am intrigued, and uh, and very much looking forward to seeing it for myself, uh, and of course um, we hope our listeners will see it as well. But if not, uh, check back here next week for our reviews. Yeah, I think the the mixed reviews that that are happening are just because it's the same movie as The Lion King, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't know what people expected because <laughs> it's called The Lion yeah. King. <laughs> 
And so, I don't know. And it even has, like, I mean, James Earl Jones is back as Mufasa. Like, it's the same movie. Like, what do you expect? Don't you want to, didn't you, don't, don't you want to see that? Like, I don't know. Because if they would have made too many big changes, people have been like, I don't like that. It's not the Lion King. <laughs> like, what, what do you want from yeah. it? I don't understand. Hashtag not my Lion King. But I, yeah. I'm excited to check it out. I, I I hope it's the same movie. I love The Lion King. Like, I, I it'll be cool to hear. And I've heard like the voice acting is good. Like, not great, but good. Um, I I I think that, I think that some of the the issue too is like it's hard to, because they're going more realistic with it. It's hard to have the expressions that you get through an animated movie. Mm-hmm. Which you know I get that. But whatever, I'm excited to check it out. Um, I, I'm excited to hear some of the music and, and uh, you know, to see that all uh, in a, kind of a different perspective. Uh, if it's the same as The Lion King that I saw when I was a kid but just looks different, I'm excited to check it out. It's just like going – it's it's like going to the play. Obviously, I know the play has, like, different music and all that stuff, and it's a different experience. But at the same time, it's like – even if it's the same movie, I you know, I, I, I just want to see it kind of in a different light. And I'm excited to check it out. It'll be cool to see it in the theater mm-hmm. again. Um, I'm also seeing uh, another movie, an, an independent movie at the Art House Theater, uh, Wild Rose, which is uh, kind of one of those another uh, musical type movies, like not not musical, but like the Stars Born type movie, mm-hmm. um, Box Lux, that type of uh, rags to riches, uh, you know, music uh, artist type thing. So uh, a lot of really really good reviews for that one. Um, so I'll be checking that out this weekend. I'm excited. Sweet. Yeah, a lot of those movies coming out lately. Uh, Wild Rose, also the name of my favorite Thai restaurant here in Bend, Oregon. So, uh, probably really? not related. Yeah, actually, that's a real place. It's delicious. <laughs> I go there for lunch that's often. Funny. All right, so uh, come on back for reviews, uh, reviews for those films, and more great podcast material uh, on next week's show. Because uh, we're about done here, but before we go, we got to leave you with one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I am going to pimp out a YouTube channel uh, that I found. Actually, it's a YouTube show. Um, I want to make sure I'm getting the channel correctly. Give me one second here. Okay, so um, if you follow the channel Screen Rant, which is a great, uh, it's a great channel for film fans. Uh, there's a lot of pretty good like um, video essay type stuff about movies in general. Um, and one of the shows that they have that I've recently really gotten into is um, is called uh, Pitch Meetings, and it's 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 exactly what it sounds like. It's it's a guy, and one guy plays both characters. Um, he's the guy pitching the movie and the guy listening to the pitch, and um, he basically talks through the entire plot of a movie. So I think there is a little bit of a spoiler, spoiler warning that should go on these. Um, and he's describing the movie and then the guy who's receiving the pitch will like call into question some of the stuff and then they'll make a joke about it. So like, for example, um, they were talking about, um, uh, there's one for into the spider verse and, um, he's talking and he goes, um, the, the guy pitching the movie goes, okay. So then you find out that uh, that Gwen has been here the whole time because when she came into the Miles's universe, she went back in time also. And then the other guy goes, does that make any sense? And the first guy goes, sure it does. Moving on. Uh, and so it's all sorts of little like little kind of nitpick jokes, like very satirical um, stuff. And his delivery on these is really funny. Um, 
as he goes, he's got this really like highly cheerful thing. And he does a lot of like yada yada-ing different things by being like, doesn't matter. Or like, no, we're not going to address it at all in this movie. Um, and it's, it's pretty funny. So, so check out pitch meetings on the screen rant channel. Uh, maybe I'll link to one of those. Uh, the one for Spider-Verse is pretty good. So maybe I'll link to that. Uh, they're pretty entertaining though. And, uh, yeah. So that's my recommendation on, on one more thing. All right. Um, yeah, my, my one more thing, uh, is a movie I reviewed uh, a few months ago is going to be on Netflix. This, uh, actually comes on tomorrow, uh, the Tuesday, the 16th. So it'll be out by the time this episode airs, uh, Jack of all trades, that documentary oh, shit, yeah. uh, about the, about the, uh, uh, baseball cards and also uh, kind of about a set, another kind of story in there as well with Stu Stone, um, guy I'm a big fan of. But yeah, that, that premieres on Netflix, so that'll be for anyone with a Netflix account or their uh, friends' passwords uh, free to watch on Netflix. So definitely check that out uh, sometime soon. It's, it's very interesting, even if you don't like playing cards or uh, if you don't like uh, baseball cards, there's an interesting story in there as well. It's, uh, I think overall it's just really uh, insightful and, and also kind of uh, heart heart um, heartfelt a little bit. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's a very interesting story, uh, I think, for even fans of neither Sue Stone or uh, neither Trading Cards. Uh, there's, there's something there for everyone else. So, Well, there you go. Uh, if you've got a Netflix, and you do, uh, lots of stuff to watch between Jack of All Trades, um, uh, Stranger Things, and Aziz Ansari, all things we talked about today. Um, but, uh, specifically we got pitch meetings on YouTube and Jack of all trades on Netflix this week in one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. That's going to bring us to the end of episode 103 of the show here. Uh, of course, make sure you're commenting, uh, on YouTube or yeah, I guess you could, no, not on YouTube. Uh, make sure you're commenting on Facebook and on Twitter, of course, on SoundCloud, make sure you're subscribed wherever it is you may be listening to the show. And uh, make sure you check out our other stuff going on. Seth has been working hard on previously on Big Brother. Uh, we're three weeks in, and Seth has been recapping the fuck out of that. Uh, we got uh, <laughs> more fun stuff coming. Some SoCo sketches are on the way very soon, as well as Cody describing a horror movie uh, very close to getting Annabelle Comes Home uh, put up. So uh, keep, a, keep an eye out for all of that stuff, all the fun SoCo shit. Um, and uh, as always, you know, don't forget to uh, bring some friends to the party, uh, introduce someone new to the podcast. Uh, we love growing the audience and hanging out with more folks. So uh, we certainly appreciate that. Shout out to our sponsors, of course, as always. Uh, link to their stuff in the description box and uh, do what you can to support them as well. But for now, we are, we are done for this week. Um, and we, of course, will be back in seven days for episode number 104. I am the, the co-host, Cody Michael. He is the so-host, Seth Ott, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye.